welcome to Cavalier Central, bringing you everything you need to know about the wine and gold. Hey, Hoopheads, we appreciate you listening to this episode of Cavalier Central. Be sure to check out these other NBA pods on the Hoopheads Podcast Network, including Daily Thunder, Knock a Few Buck, 305 Culture, Spanning the Spurs, Motor City Hoops, X's and O's NBA Breakdown, LA Hoops, The Wizards Hoops Analyst, At the Buzzer, and Lakers Fast Break. Plus, our coaching focused podcasts, Thrive with Trevor Huffman, Beyond the Ball, the CoachMaze.com podcast, Players Court, Bleachers and Boards, The Green Light, and Courtside Culture. Oh, and don't forget to check out our flagship, the Hoopheads podcast, hosted by me, Mike Cleansing, and my co-host, Jason Sunkel, featuring the best minds in the game, from grassroots to the NBA. Hey, Hoopheads, we all hate ankle sprains, and they happen way too often. Ankle injuries are the number one sports-related injury. Arise is trying to change that. With the iFast, your athletes get preventative protection and full mobility. Athletes no longer need to wear bulky braces that limit performance and give mediocre protection. Anyone playing sports should be using these products. Keep your athletes in the game. Don't wait for them to get hurt to take action. Visit www.arise.com slash team pricing to learn more. That's A R. Y-S-E.com. Hey everybody, welcome back. I'm your host, Justin Match. I'm in here with me tonight after this. We'll just go with loss. We won't we won't attach an adjective to it against the Blazers. Um the Cavaliers have lost to the Suns and the Blazers in the last times we recorded. Did bring the Suns to overtime, lost by 16 in overtime, uh 134-118, the final score of that one. Uh, 141-105 against the Blazers tonight. The Cavs are now 21-45. Help me break down the last couple of games. Amadou and Dan are with me. What's up, guys? What's going on, man? What's going on? You know, we're in good spirits with Anderson Vergeau being in the game. That's that's what I've got to say right now. Dan, how's your night going? Pretty solid, guys. Um, it's... Uh... It's nice to see uh, Nance with that wig on at the end there. I think it was. <laughs> yeah, and there's, I think there was someone else in the stands they showed that had the wig on as well. Um, we can just start there. We'll start on a positive note. Uh, we talked about last time the Cavaliers were playing to sign Anderson Verja. They have officially signed him to a 10-day contract. Uh, didn't get in – or didn't – well, I don't think was available in uh, in the Suns game, but did was available tonight against the Blazers and did get in. Played six minutes, 37 seconds. Uh, didn't get a field goal to fall. It was 0 for 4. But did get to the line once and made a free throw. So he did score a point. Um, had six rebounds as well. Had a block. Had an assist. Um, so overall, like, it was a fun. It was fun just to see him check in, I thought. Um, Amadou, I know you had something else going on and you had to miss the very end of the game. So you didn't get to see Anderson come in. But what have you thought of the signing in general? Is it something I think... You know, there have been kind of a mixed reaction to the whole thing just because, you know, well, that's the point we're in the season. We're signing Anderson Verigel. But I think it's just something you have to kind of take as a positive. It's a fun thing. Would you agree? Mm-hmm. Yes, I would definitely agree. I feel like, you know, I, I love the signing. You know, Anderson Verigel gets to have that retirement tour, you know, ending his career off where it started. I feel like that's a, a bright spot in a season that started off pretty good, but now toward this recent period has been very, very bleak. Um, 
I really don't see the complaints over the sun, and I I love it. Yeah, I think you know, and it's just we've said it in the past too. It's good to repair some relationships that may have been been damaged with the whole warrior signing and everything. But um, damn, we got to see him play. Um, you talked last episode how we didn't know if he was going to be able to move. I think the answer to that question is no, but he did do some things. Uh, what do you think of his play tonight? Well, um, yeah, I, th- I think you're pretty much on it there. At least he was, I guess, somewhat active on the glass, um, objectively. That was that was a plus. Um, got some looks up there, but yeah, just it's definitely more of a uh, PR stunt for sure. Well, absolutely, but you know, I mean, he made some things happen. I thought he made some he did. nice he reads, did. I, some nice passes was- out of the post. Right, yeah. I mean, there, he probably should have had honestly like two more assists. I think he had like one, maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, but yeah, I got a couple uh, offensive rebounds there too. That was he, he brought a little bit of activity in that way. I mean, it was it was probably better than I expected. Honestly, was fighting on the boards. Um, you know, he, he he grabbed six. He was fighting for others that he just couldn't get to. Uh, I believe it was oh, yeah. TJ Leaf that he blocked on a drive. That was a nice block. Um, yeah, TJ Leaf. Uh, how is he on an NBA roster? That is shocking. It's a two-way. We'll we'll give him a little bit more time, I guess. Oh, that's right. I mean, you're right. Yeah, you're right. That's fair. The, the Blazers have Kelgen Blevins as their other two-way guy, so... Well, he's got a good name. He he has a good name, if nothing else. The, the Blazers have some interesting names. They have Kelgen Blevins, um, CJ Ellaby. I don't know. We, just, we got some interesting ones here. Obviously, Rondé is not a... is, is somewhat unique name, but um, anyway... Yeah, I thought it was fun to watch Anderson. You know, he, he, I wouldn't say struggled up the floor, but took his time getting up and down and, you know, obviously got blown by a couple of times, all of that to be expected. Uh, I thought he had a golden opportunity to score in the paint uh, on his first shot when he was going up against Ennis Cantor. Ennis Cantor basically let him have the hook. He hardly even played defense and he couldn't get it to go down. Well, he never but, does um, anyway. <laughs> well... I will say, he, he got to the line on that post-up against Harry Giles, um, and in true Anderson Verichel fashion, makes the first and misses the second. It was nice to see that again. Um, but overall, we'll, we'll see him get in here again, hopefully, uh, as the season winds down. Uh, you've got to think that the Cavs will be out of, it, out, of, out of a chance to win, basically, by the fourth quarter and late at least one more time where we can get some more Anderson Verichel minutes, so... At least one more one more time, you think? At least one more time, <laughs> you think? Yeah. Um, but anyway, fun to see him. We'll get to some other stuff. This, we'll, this is we'll, pretty we'll much going to turn into like a Rudy situation, but going the other way. <laughs> yeah. Charity minutes, but it doesn't get any better. Yeah. Eh, well. You know what we? I was saying before we don't have to focus on the scores here. Let's just let's focus on the positive game. Let's look at the game against Phoenix real quick. Um, well, not real quick. Let's dive into it. Obviously, a sixteen point loss in overtime is less than ideal, but they did get to overtime. They played a great game, uh, and Isaac Okoro in particular played a fantastic game. Uh, had thirty two points on efficient shooting. He shot ten for sixteen from the field, uh, three for four from three, nine of nine from the line. Uh, best game of of his career to this point by far Uh, had the ball in his hands late and was making a lot of things happen Um, and he said just overall like looked confident as a driver was under control on his finishes was hitting from outside you know on 
varying degrees of difficulty, obviously, free throws, but, you know, some a couple difficult threes in there that he hit as well. Um, Amadou, what did you think of the kind of the, the breakout game that we got from from Okoro there? It was great. It, it, it was it was fantastic. Um, with Garland out, um, Okoro was sort of that secondary ball handler um, for us. A lot of times we saw him in the game working in the pick and roll, which was actually fascinating to see. I thought he made some great passes out of that. He knew when to, you know, drive in, knew when to, you know, try to take the shot, knew when to pass it, um, and just continue to expand his offensive game like we talked about. Um, we saw a couple step back threes in there late in the game. Um, like we said, we gave him the ball and he went and go got it. He had two tough finishes at the end of the game there to send it to overtime. I mean, it's it was just an incredible, an incredible performance by him. Yeah, and obviously, you know, Devin Booker got what he wanted, but I thought, you know, had a lot of it, especially down the stretch, even when he was making shots. Uh, some airtight defense on Devin Booker making him work. Uh, really made Chris Paul work as well when he was on him. Uh, and obviously, he, he didn't really follow it up with as great of a performance tonight. Uh, two and nine shooting ended with seven points, uh, three assists, two rebounds. But I thought another thing was just he, he really looked confident with his handle, too. Overall, I think obviously it was just a confident performance from him uh, against Phoenix. Dan, what did you see that was just kind of different in his game? Because like I said, I think the handle he just looked more confident with. He was like, he, like Amadou said, was making reads out of pick and roll. What do you, what do you think kind of clicked or changed with him in this game? Yeah, I think Amadou really hit it. Um, I, I just think the uh, pick and roll um, stuff with him, both scoring and um, facilitating, at least in kind of that secondary role, um, I, I thought it, it did a really good job. I, I think, frankly, the Suns looking at this one, to me, I, I thought, I mean, they're not going to say it publicly, but you got to think, like, okay, it's the Cavs, this, this I'm sure situation. They that. And yeah. They probably laid down a little bit, um, but – he did a really good job, really took it to him, was kind of willing his, his way into the paint. Um, and I, I just think him getting to the line nine times um, was was huge. Um, th- this game, just to me more than anything, was just huge for his confidence um, and just was a step for him uh, as he kind of looks going into year two kind of is a momentum changer a little bit. Well, and we had talked about Dan after last episode or at the end of last episode talking about do the Cavaliers have a chance of keeping this thing under 20 points? And obviously they lost by 16. It's not that impressive. But got it to overtime, played a heck of a game. I think it's definitely fair to say that, you know, Phoenix wasn't exactly expecting that. We certainly weren't. But um, Colin Sexton, another guy who played really, really well in this game, I thought, uh, again, has to has had to take over primary ball handling and kind of primary playmaking responsibilities as well. Uh, responded in this Phoenix game with 29 points, seven rebounds, seven assists. Uh, wasn't as impactful tonight, had 15 points, did have four assists though, uh, a couple steals as well tonight. But focusing again, just kind of on that Phoenix game, um, you know, obviously there are still reads that Colin misses and it happens from time to time. Uh, some of the more difficult passes, you know, that he might be able to make, he just doesn't, he doesn't even attempt, but I think he's making a lot of right reads, um, you know, driving in and kicking it to Jared Allen a lot, um, you know, finding shooters occasionally out on the perimeter as well. Uh, Dan, what have you, have you been happy with, as this kind of Sexton point guard experiment has continued, have you been happy with the results? Yeah, I think it's just he doesn't have the vision of Garland as we know. Um, that's that's there. 
uh, is is going to be less turnover prone uh, just because there isn't um, nearly the passing creativity. Not not going to have like the English on some passes here uh, to make those kind of wraparound feeds. But uh, I, I think he's done a nice job of uh, what he, he's. The key thing that's jumped out to me is um, how he's been able to kind of manipulate guys um, on his back. Um, out of the pick and roll, I'm not saying that he's he's close to the guy he's ever going to be, but um, you see the influence of kind of Chris Paul um, when he has those guys and kind of those uh, uh, pick and roll manipulation, like how he gets those um, kind of how he handles it when the guy's on his back, just to kind of create space and keep him there, um, both to get to his push shots and. Um, kind of explode out of that if need be. Um, and really has done a nice job with kind of Jared Allen finding him um, over the top in those situations, kind of waiting till the last second to get it to to, to Allen um, when bigs kind of are it kind of that like no man's land spot trying to take away both. Um, he's taking advantage of the indecision there. Um, but yeah, the, the issues with him are just doesn't have close to the handle of Garland as we know. Um, but I think he's all things considered done a pretty solid job. Um, and I, again, I think he's a very capable secondary playmaker and that's, that's honestly his role. It is. Um, Aside from being a key scorer, clearly. Yeah. Being the key scorer and being someone who is capable of making, you know, simple passes and who was willing to make simple passes, which I think what we have in him at that point is just that. Um, well, and, and just his presence, frankly, uh, we've seen it more as the season progresses. Um, even though the shots haven't fallen for other guys, I, it, just his presence helps guys like Dean Wade, um, those ancillary kind of pieces. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it draws the attention of the defense, absolutely. Um, and, and Colin has been, I think just among general fans, been catching a little bit more heat as of late uh, for the reasons mentioned. Um and Colin had come out and said that, you know, he, he doesn't really, you know, basically uh, he, he's going to just kind of keep working to keep proving people wrong. Uh, I think, you know, again, especially against the Suns having 10 assists or not, not 10, but seven assists, uh, 11 combined in the last two games. I think he's doing a solid job of doing that. Would you agree? I mean, do you think he's responding to some of these criticisms? Definitely. Um, in an interview, Colin talked about how, People talk about his passing, and throughout these last couple of games, he's going to show people that you know, he's a capable passer. And in the very first game against the Suns, he went on and had seven assists. Now, of course, tonight that was it was different, but really focusing on the positive here, the Suns game was a great example of what he can do um, with the ball in his hands. I feel like the talk about him having tunnel vision, I mean, this is a third-year guard who came in as a point guard. is starting to shift to that shooting guard type role. So it's not like the, the passing is something that's big. And also to note, Right now, I think he has a career best twenty one percent assist uh, percentage. It might be lower yeah, or high enough. Yeah, Greg Swartz yeah. touched on that. You know, the other three comparable to guys like Bradley Bill, Jamal Murray, and uh, I believe the last one was Devin Booker, if I'm not mistaken. And yeah, I look think at, you're right. Exactly. Look at the the other guards that those guys have on their teams. You talking about Nikola Jokic, Russell Westbrook, and CP three, who are three of the top five best passers in the league. I just thought that was an interesting thing to talk about right there. But some some of the points that are made. For Colin Sexton, I feel like aren't made for other guys who are in that shooting guard type of, you know, that, that shooting guard role. So uh, I, I don't really understand the criticism at all. Um, it doesn't really make sense to me. 
Uh, I think that's just going to come from the fact that Colin Sexton was part of that uh, Kyrie Irving trade. And obviously, you're losing your franchise point guard. You're going to expect a lot from the guy who is looked to replace him. But either way, I feel like he's still going to continue to shut the haters down and continue being great. I think he's done exactly that, and I think he'll continue to do that. I'm I'm completely with you there. Uh, to kind of shift over to someone else again, uh, we, we talked about it on the last pod, but I'd love to hear your thoughts on it, Amadou. Fiondo Cabangale, uh signing a multi-year deal. It was a three-year deal total, um, the second two years being non-guaranteed, uh, with the latest you know possible guarantee date being January 10th. Do you like the signing? Uh, you know, we talked about it. It's just an absolute, you know, basically zero risk, moderate reward type move. Uh, I think we, we continue to see that Calvin Gailey is not an NBA player right now. He's not, you know, ready to be an NBA contributor. Um, what did you think of the move? And, you know, do you still think that there are things there that could get him to the point where he is one being an NBA yeah. player? Um, the move, like you said, it's a very low risk move. It's, I mean, essentially a one year deal. You know, the next two years are non-guaranteed. And I thought, um, like we, like I said, the last time I was on the podcast, with the uh, Harnstein injury, I just thought, you know, it would probably make sense for the Cavs to bring back uh, Mufandu for the rest of the season at the very least. Um, like, just It's just right now, yeah, he doesn't really look to be an NBA-type caliber player. But, you know, of course, you know, he can grow, he can get better. And we have him locked down for what could be at the most three years? It could be more depending on how he plays. I'd like to see him, you know, go to the can charge, get some run there, and hopefully he can turn into something for us. Yeah, having a full G League season next season hopefully will be a good chance for him to, you know, actually play and stay on the roster if if he does make the team next season. But yeah, again, it's an understandable move. It's we'll just have to see what happens with it. We'll we'll, we'll leave it at that. Uh, obviously, did have a little bit of time there where he was getting some extended run, uh, showed flashes. But tonight we did get Isaiah Harton signed back. Uh, he was listed questionable earlier in the day, and ended up he did play. Uh, came in, you know, made an impact. I thought right away in that first quarter. Ended up with 13 minutes total. Uh, ended with eight points, four rebounds, uh, a block, I believe, as well. Actually, no, he had two rebounds and four assists. I was reading the uh, the uh, stat line wrong, but anyway. Dan, it had to have been a fresh air to get um, get Isaiah Hartenstein back in there, even in kind of a limited capacity. I think just right away, you know, made things happen in a way that Kevin Gailey just hadn't been. Yeah, there's going to be some head-scratching moments with Hartenstein. Um, had two fouls that were just not – sometimes he just seems like there's just not conviction in, in the fouls. I mean, does – often contest shots really hard, which is going to draw fouls, but I, I get it. And for a backup five, it's fine. Uh, but again, the, the passing ability just continues to to shine with him. Um, it, he just just has vision that a lot of uh, backup fives, quite frankly, you don't see have. Um, and that's the biggest takeaway here um, to me. Um, shot three of eight, but He's one of those was a three that was, I don't know. I don't think it was a nine one one triple, but it was kind of in that realm. Um, the possession was just going stagnant. So, um, but just the more he plays, um, the more experience he gets, um, you just see the um, glimpses of, of what he could become as, and to me as a guy that I, I really would like to see here for 
Um, in coming years, we'll see what happens with that. But uh, just always is going to be active. Yeah. Amadou, were you happy with the play of Hartenstein tonight? Um, Yeah, like you guys said, he's going to continue to make the right pass. You know, um, like Dan said, I think personally, even for starting bigs, you know, his passing is much, much, much better than advertised. Um, that three at the, that three there, yeah, it, it sort of looked like a 911 triple, but overall, I'm not going to look too hard at, um, a 911 triple. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. I, I love that. I love that, but I'm not going to look too hard at the field goal percentage. Um, he's just coming back for injury. He'll be better, but I feel like we really do have something in him. For sure, definitely do. Um, again, Amadou, I know you weren't able to catch the very end of this game, but Dan, we got to see a little bit more of Jeremiah Martin tonight. Played six minutes at the end uh, and did some stuff. Did some stuff. He ended up with five points and two rebounds. Uh, had a steal as well. Did hit his first three. Again, he took three of them. Uh, went one for three, but he finally has made a shot outside of the paint. Again, did have a kind of a finish around the rim, too. And, you know, we continue to see that speed. Um, oh, just as we kind of, you know, continue to get Jeremiah in kind of bits and pieces here, are you starting to form an opinion of, you know, what he could be for this team? Yeah, it's it was a another guy that could be a bench kind of scoring guard um, that we, at this point, is, again, kind of the anti um Matt Mooney, when he's out there, he's going to he's, he's going to make mis- he's going to get his shots gonna, up. Yeah, he's going to he's going to get his shots up. They the shooting is is something we say almost in quotes, but um, again, the the ability to get separation he has, um, and just you just hope that there's a way you can kind of um, bottle that quickness up into something. Um, again, we'll, we'll have to see, uh, looking onward, it's, it's a guy that took a flyer on, um, and for essentially, I, I think would, with how the Cavs offense is, uh, could be like, I mean, if he's like a fourth point guard, if, if you end up kind of signing one in the off season, um, that would be more than fine. Uh, but again, two way guy, you, you don't expect a whole lot needs to, needs to grow, but. Um, the, you see the, again, shot creation ability with, with the quickness. He's, if he ever can hone that jump shot, really could be something. Yeah. Like you said, definitely needs to add some weight and just get stronger, uh, you know, for that ability to drive the rim more. Uh, I think another thing that could help, and I think we've seen one of, you know, the biggest improvements in Garland's game this year is just the the stop start on drives that really make you know Garland so effective when he gets to the rim. Uh, that's not something that we see a ton of with you know Jeremiah, and you know he's been able to rely on this quickness a lot uh, throughout his career. But I think if you were able to kind of add that stop start shifty you know kind of element to his drive to get around people uh, rather than just relying solely on speed, you know that might be something that would unlock you know his game even without the outside shot. But well, he he has some decent like hang dribble stuff, but it's not enough nearly where it's it's not against, near against level NBA level competition. You don't it's not going to be where you see it a ton. But um, it, the other thing is with Garland. I mean, it was clear that the that he fully trusts that um, knee. So 
it, but yeah, you're you're definitely on it there. I also want to give a quick shout out to Dean Wade, who played a fantastic game tonight. Uh, shot five for six from the field, three for four from three, ended with sixteen points and five rebounds off the bench. Uh, did kind of get put in the well, I won't say the blender, but kind of got cooked by Carmelo Anthony there. I believe it was in the second quarter, but um, Carmelo Anthony was cooking everyone at that point. He did the same to Okoro. What are you going to do when you know he gets? Melo used to cook LeBron, like like yeah, peak I'm, athlete LeBron back in the day. He's just a bucket, period. Mm, yeah. yeah. Did either of you see what happened to Robert Covington? Like he went down at one point tonight, and like you could see on the league pass kind of break that he was. I know he was wearing the mask, but holding his face for like an extended period of time. Glad to see that he was okay and back in the game. But um, yeah, yeah, I my. Buddy saw it. I, I honestly went, took like a quick bathroom break. I didn't see that, but I, I just walked back and saw that. I'm not sure what happened. Yeah, I wasn't able to see what happened either. I guess we can talk about Kevin Love a little bit at this point. Um, who Kevin Love played, by, played fine tonight, had 18 points, uh, shot 15%, 50% from the field, not 15. Uh, you know, hit four threes as well. Uh, grabbed eight rebounds, got a couple offensive rebounds as well, uh, got a couple steals, or got a steal at least. But you know, we, we, we continue to talk with Kevin, and it kind of continues to be a thing. Uh, obviously, you know, Fedor wrote a piece today just essentially talking about how Kevin Love is just not the guy for this team. Um, talking about you – know, being a veteran leader is what he's kind of supposed to have been. And he has provided a boost on the court. Obviously he can still be effective as a shooter and in all the ways that we've talked about, but you know, Fedor ended his article by basically just saying, you know, he's, he's not the guy to mentor this team and the Cavaliers are, are going to have to figure out something here with him just because again, two years and, you know, roughly $60 million left on his contract past this season um, is a problem. Uh, but before we kind of get into, you know, different directions the Cavs could go to maybe move on from him, um, but what have you just kind of thought of, you know, things as they continue to go on? Again, obviously, has a decent game tonight against the Blazers, does some good things, but you hear, you know, the comments that he had about Portland talking about how, and obviously he's from Portland, so you you you, you cut him some slack there, but talking about, you know, how... He want he would love to you know play with Portland at some point in his career. Um, I, I I don't think that's a terrible thing for him to say again, especially considering that he's from the area. I just don't think now is the right time to say it when you know your your reputation among Cleveland fans specifically is not the best right now. Do you think that I don't know what what were your what was your initial reaction to kind of seeing those quotes from him? Um. Like you said, the timing of everything is just it's, it's very poor. I mean, you're talking about a time where a lot of fans, you know, really want you gone. And to just say that, that's kind of... I, I don't want to say it's like kind of, you know, stabbing somebody in the back. Because I'm pretty sure he was asked a question about Portland. So, I mean, he's from the area. Because I wouldn't expect him to say anything bad about Portland. I mean, I felt like he kind of answered it the best way he could. But at the same time, you know, the timing of everything was pretty poor. The whole Kevin Love situation... It's just I, I don't I don't even know what to make make of it honestly, and I just want to talk about like the team and the organization and everything. You talk about how this season is set on culture. You know that's what we've been hearing the entire season. 
we saw it in the road back um those episodes of the Cavs done coach jb Pickerstaff was always preaching culture 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 that's why we moved on from kevin porter jr culture and you have a guy in kevin love who's doing these things on the courts where he's having these these tantrums and he's not playing to the best of his ability. I, I just don't understand how you preach culture there, but now you have Kevin Love doing these things and you aren't doing anything to stop it. Now I understand. I mean, you can't just move on from him. His contract is extremely large and his play has not been good over the this season, the course of this season. But there's other things you can do. I mean, an example, um, Joel Verdon talked about in his article with The Athletic, uh, when, Ke- uh, excuse me, when Draymond Green and Kevin Durant had that little argument, spat. I guess, that spat, you know, um, Draymond was suspended because of that. I mean, I don't know if Kevin Love needs to be suspended, but I would like to see some some disciplinary actions taken just to show the team that, okay, this is not something good, especially a team full of young guys. You know, our, you know, top players on the team, Colin Sexton, uh, Darius Garland, those are second and third year guards, respectively. As a crow, we know is a rookie. I think Jared Allen is in his fifth year, I want to say, fourth or fifth year, fourth year. Okay. But still, I mean, what message are you sending to those young guys when you have a guy like Kevin Love, who's supposed to be that vocal leader for us, doing things like that on the court? I feel like some actions need to be taken. But overall, I just I, I don't know what to make of the situation. Fedor kind of backed that opinion I'm going to be talking about how it was probably a mistake to not, you know, discipline him in some way, whether it was even just a one game suspension. Um you know, especially for a team like that. We, we don't need to get into the whole Kevin Porter conversation. Uh, if, you, if you want to get into that conversation, just go on Cavs Twitter. You'll find plenty of people griping. But um, in a sense like that, again, where you're you're trying to establish a culture and you're trying to establish standards and show that there are you know consequences for your actions. But I think it's it's very clear that Kevin Love has gotten a longer leash on that, uh, and I think it, it's fair to criticize that. Um, you know, I talk about you know, what Kevin Love did do tonight. Uh, again, single game plus minus is not something to take too much from, but in 26 minutes of play did go minus 45 tonight in his play. Uh, the Cavaliers lost by 45 in the 26 minutes that Kevin Love played, uh, the lowest plus minus by a Cavs player per stat news since Anton Jameson in 2012, which is... Less than very bad. Very, very bad. Yeah. Then I know we kind of keep talking about it with Kevin, but after, you know, again, making comments like the ones, or or, or, like the the Portland comments that he made, uh, you know, do you see the situation getting better at any point, I guess? Well, that was kind of tough. I think it was almost... I don't know, it was a pretty pointed question by Chris Haynes, frankly. Um, what kind of response do you really want the guy to get? I mean, it, it was, again, it was the basically home team for him, quote unquote. Uh, you had to think that you were going to get something there. It was just, it was just weird timing. Um, it, I guess, I guess he did go on the pod though, um, objectively. So that's, you got to think maybe this is a national reporter. You got to expect something like that um, to come about. But again, it was, it was kind of a, I thought I'm kind of with you. I thought he answered it, not like in a disrespectful manner, just kind of praising Dame and, and kind of more so, more so focused on like the city to me. 
Um, so I'm not going to completely grill him for that. I think people are really reading too much into it just based on the timing of the thing last week. But um, I, I don't know if it will necessarily get better, uh, so to speak. But at least this last go around, it wasn't him pointing the finger at the organization and or Kobe Altman. Um, but again, Amadou is, is on it there, too. There should have been some sort of discipline th- uh, disciplinary action here. Probably should have been suspended. Um, and or at least like benched, for example, that would have made sense. Um, didn't end up happening, but you take take everything into consideration. It's it's a lot easier said than done with love. Just obviously not a simple situation for this, but um, it's uh, saying it'll be better. Now that's that's just hard to say. Amadou, you mentioned the road back a minute ago. Uh, when do you think the ending the season on a 15-game losing streak episode of The Road Back is coming out? <laughs> I don't even know if we'll ever see that. Honestly, I feel like... Are we ever going to see it again? Do you think another episode comes out at any point? I don't... I mean, I would expect one to come out, you know, during the end of the season, just because you, you still want that closure, you know, no matter how it ended, but... Mid-August, after they get Jalen Green. That too, maybe. Oh, that would go. be great. That would be great. That would be nice. I guess we, we just looking at you know different ways to get rid of Kevin Love. Um, you know, we could probably do a whole podcast on that. I mean, we made two on how they could potentially trade Drummond, and the guy didn't even get traded. I'm sure we could make at least one on Kevin. But assuming that a trade just can't get done because it does seem like that would be a very difficult thing to do. Uh, speaking of you know the Trailblazers here tonight. Um, the Cavaliers a few years back or a couple years back even not taking the offer of Kevin for expiring contracts. Uh, I believe it was like Hassan Whiteside and Kent Bazemore at the time uh, does not look great now. Uh, you know, I think the Cavaliers would happily take a deal of just getting expiring contracts, uh, say, at next year's deadline just to get out of that last year of money. Um, but looking at things that they could do this season or this offseason, rather, um, we saw Blake Griffin, you know, accept a buyout from Detroit. I believe he gave back about $13 million. And the Pistons, you know, opted not to stretch Blake Griffin either. Obviously, uh, Kevin Love is making less money than Blake Griffin. But Griffin on the Pistons books for what ended up being 13.67 this season and 29.76 next. Um it's been reported as well that you know there have been no talks uh, regarding a buyout situation between the Cavs and Kevin. That can obviously change uh, as you know the time goes on. But looking at it right now, let's just assume that there isn't a buyout on the table. Would you guys even consider just waiving Kevin Love at this point and stretching his contract? Um, if the Cavaliers to were to waive him this offseason uh, before you know the, the next season kicks in to where they could still stretch you know that current year. They would be able to stretch his contract for five years, his cap hit rather, for five years, uh, at a number exactly of twelve million forty thousand two hundred seventeen. I think, you know, it might be a dollar off there. There might be one dollar added to one of the years as well. But you know, that would basically be what it is. Would you even entertain that idea, Dan, at this point with Kevin? Yeah, at this point I think they have to um have to consider it. Just because it's 
it's definitely a situation that's, that's waning on the team. Um, or I should say weighing. And it, he, at this point, is – next year, say he does stick around, I think it, if he does and ends up not uh, – say they end up not uh, foregoing stuff here, and if he is around, it, it bare minimum cannot – probably cannot be a starter going forward. Um, and if, if that's, if you make amends with him in that way and he's okay with that and is kind of bought in um, to being like a guy that plays like 22 minutes a game max. Okay. But it, it's just hard to believe that being the case. So um, I, I just think they have to entertain all possibilities at this point. It's not going to be easy either way. Um, but yeah, I, I think they absolutely should consider that if that's if that's what they're thinking. Are you kind of in the same boat there, Amadou? Would you would you actually consider like waving Kevin this off season? Yeah, I definitely would. Um, just because, I mean, if he doesn't want to be here, what can you do? I just feel like it'd be time to move on. But um, if I'm the Cavs, I would maybe try to look to fix this. Just because my only reasoning for being kind of hesitant on moving Kevin Love or a potential Kevin Love buyout is just the fact that just having that stretch four there is is so essential in today's NBA. And we've seen, you know, how much Kevin Love's return has impacted, you know, the young guys. Um, but like I, like I said, I mean, if he doesn't, if there's a replacement out there, I'm all for it. But there's just no replacement on the roster currently. I mean, Larry Nance Jr., he isn't the stretch big that Kevin Love is, and Dean Wade is Dean Wade a, a twenty-five to thirty minute. I don't know if he's a starter. Minute. Exactly, he's even a starter at that. So that's my only reason for hesitancy on that topic. But hey, if Kevin Love doesn't want to be here, I think it's time to move on. It, it's a difficult question for sure. Um, just because I, you you have to think that this is a team that wants to make the playoffs next year and expects to make the playoffs next year, and I don't think they should. I don't think that there are very many people that would tolerate another year of not making the playoffs, quite frankly. Uh, personally, I think they will. Uh, and, and Kevin is a guy who, again, you know, would help you do that. Uh, I think, you know, Kevin is still a positive, ba- you know, a positive contributor on a basketball court in most nights uh, and kind of just benefits again from his kind of secondary playmaking, you know, and, and spacing element can benefit the guys around him as well. Uh, we've, we've hit on just, you know, how much I think he's done for Okoro, just kind of opening up the floor and freeing up his game a little bit. <laughs> but it, it is at the same time, if he just, you know, straight up doesn't want to be here, what exactly do you do? Um, I, I, don't know if would, he, I don't know if he just flat doesn't want to be here, but he's definitely not come out. like said that. And, and, and where it's really you can, like, read through and really feel it. <laughs> I guess. At least it hasn't been in a while. You know, there was the I'll always ride with Cleveland, you know, yeah, comments. But it, it, that that more so to me sounded like he he'll, he's like really a fan of, of the fan base in the city, though. Mm-hmm. Maybe more than the situation he's in. I think winning fixes all, honestly. I feel like oh, yeah. it's, it's very understandable as to why, you know, he's not not understandable to why he's acted the way he is, but understandable to you can see the frustration. I mean, Kevin Love is what thirty two at this point, a veteran, you know, power forward. He wants to win, obviously. He doesn't want to be a part of a rebuild. So maybe next year, hey, if the Cavs, you know, 
look to compete next year. Hopefully they compete. I feel like next year is the prime, they're in prime position to do so. They make the playoffs. Maybe all is fixed. You know, we'll have to wait and see. Can I just ask you guys one one quick question now? Uh, say if just in a an alternate universe, if if Kevin Love were an unrestricted guy due to be unrestricted this offseason, um, given all that's kind of played out here um, of late, the injury history or whatever, yada, yada, what, what kind of deal do you think he would get? I feel like it'll probably I, I think it would be above a minimum, but it would be like... like wait, I'm thinking like MLE. I, I could see him getting Ooh. like... Okay. I'm thinking either MLE or... You could see a situation like Paul Millsap to where okay. like Paul Millsap with the Nuggets to where like maybe yeah. he gets like a boost, like a he might get like a high salary one year deal or okay. like obviously the Nuggets picked up that $30 million team option on him. I don't yeah. think Kevin would get $30 million. A team with cap space would oh, not no. waste it on Kevin Love. Um, but I think he would either be like an MLE guy or like a bloated one-year salary type of guy. Even with the Cavs, maybe, you know, he'd sign a one-year deal just because he could get more money that way. I don't know. What would, you, gotcha. what would you have? Yeah, would you I have him in the say, MLE range? Um, maybe slightly above. Like you said, the Paul Millsap deal was perfect. That's actually what I was thinking of, too. The bloated one-year deal. Um, or, I don't know, maybe even a bloated two-year deal. I don't know. But something around that realm definitely makes sense for, for Kevin Love. Well, I mean, on a two-year deal, you could you could give him a team option even if you that too. Yeah. You know, does yeah, kind yeah, of yeah. if he falls apart and you know can't stay healthy, then you can just turn that down. That's an easy way of you know doing that. I guess one other question I had for you: um, if the Cavaliers were to move on this offseason, and let's just say they waive him, uh, I, I would have to assume if the Cavaliers are actually intent on waiving him, uh, some sort of buyout could be in place. But if it is just with the numbers that we currently have now, would you guys rather take a $12 million cap hit for five years or a $30 million cap hit for two years? Or, yeah, for two years. I'll start with you on that one, Amadou. Hmm. Probably the 12 for five, honestly, because if I'm the Cavs and I'm looking to wave them, I, I really would expect the Cavs to be aggressive in free agency and try to go out there and get some more pieces to fill out the rest of the roster. Um, you also have to think the extensions of Garland, Sexton, Allen are all coming to in, into play as well. Um, I, I definitely, if the Cavs do, if I'm the Cavs, it, it depends. If you're really, really looking to make the playoffs and show like next year is your, that's the year. I would wave and stretch him and be extremely aggressive this offseason and try to overpay for some guys. I, I wouldn't be too upset at that. It's definitely... <laughs> neither neither situation is ideal. Yeah. Um, it would be the Cavaliers' best chance at getting cap space, you know, in the foreseeable future. Just because he said, you know, Allen's, you know, extension will be kicking in here. Uh, you could you could hold them on the cap hold and you know sign someone before doing that, uh, and and you know have some extra cap space that way. But you know, with with next year Sexton extension coming in after that Garland's extension coming in, you know, you're not going to be a team that has cap space forever with these guys, you know, signing their deals that are probably going to be, you know, well, they're definitely going to be big, assuming that they sign them. We'll, we'll obviously have to see what happens. But um, just the idea of 
having twelve million dollars in dead salary exactly yep. for so five years is crazy problematic. Yeah, definitely. I don't like that we have Jetty's money. That's at, true. What eight million, seven million for the next two seasons? <laughs> putting putting twelve million dollars on your caps for five seasons would just be such a disadvantage compared to the rest of the league. Dan, where are you at on this? I'm I'm curious to hear. Yeah, I, I'm you make a fair point there, but I, I'm with Hamadou as well, just because um it, it would be you would think the inclination would be to kind of hit the gas a little bit. Um mm-hmm. because at this point the Cavs if they're in an E two game season if if they can't hit, goodness, if they can't get thirty six wins next year, it's um, it's it's just going to be harder and harder and harder um, to ever think they'll win again. And I, I'm with Hamadou in that way, um, just from that perspective. Um, it's they have to be able to have a at least a viable. Um, postseason opportunity next year. If they don't, I, I don't know if they would ever get even like marginal free agent especially, interest ever, ever, ever. Especially if they're able to land, say, a top three pick. That would just be... I would say even top... Yeah, I, I would say four. Top um, four, If you okay. can get one of the... Well, I, I would say there, there's like an elite like five, but I think Kaminga mm-hmm. is like the upside play there. Mm-hmm. Um, but... Yeah, they have to. To me, that's the number they absolutely have to get. If they can't get that, I just, I, it's just going to be even a black hole going forward. And I hope that that's not the case. To be fair, I, I, I do believe in this Cavs team. I, I think that they I will be too. better next season. Like I, I fully expect this team to be like firmly like in that kind of play and positioning. Like I'm not um, going to call them a full blown playoff team just because like. You yeah. have to be a five seed now to like be a legit playoff team, like. But I think yeah. this team will like be in the play-in tournament and with with a like a real shot of getting out of it next season. I don't think that that's unreasonable. Yeah, uh, with I, the I'm, I'm guys. completely with you. I just, I, I just think, yeah, that thirty mil for that, it, like this two year, I guess. It, it might be a last chance to so spend to speak. big it, on free yeah. agents for a while, right? And that's just kind of what where my head's at on that. And again, like I don't think the Cavaliers would like actually waive him without a buyout. Like I think if the Cav- if they both agree to move on, like Kevin would probably be willing to give up some money. Um, you know, Blake Griffin gave up thirteen million. <laughs> I'm not sure if it'd be that much, but it, it, you'd have to think that they would be able to lower that cap hit somewhat. Um, I guess my next kind of question is just about Kevin. <sighs> we we talk about you know the possibilities of getting maybe, let's just say, a top-five pick. Um, and even if it's not a top-five pick, if the Cavaliers draft Cade Cunningham or Evan Mobley or Jonathan Kaminga or even a Jalen Johnson, um, and, and with Larry Nance on the roster, too. Man, you love Jalen uh, Johnson. I don't love Jalen Johnson, but I think that there's like clearly like a real chance that they could draft him. Like I don't think that's, that's unreasonable. That's gonna be a Der- that could be a Derek Williams situation. It could Ooh. be, but I'm just saying, you know, we'll, we'll we'll get to that when we get to that. But it's real. It's a real possibility that that's a guy who like would be playing at the four, 
who the Cavaliers might want to give a lot of minutes to, especially with Larry and Nance around. You could even start him. Do you think that Kevin Love at this point in his career on this team uh, would respond well to a bench rule? I don't know if I'm bringing $30 million off the bench. And I don't think Kevin Love will respond too kindly to that either. Even on a team that like has real playoff hopes, you don't think that he would respond? I, I, personally, I probably don't either. But... I don't know. Uh, you're talking about for us, if, if we're to, able to acquire someone like a Jalen Johnson or an Evan Mobley. Say Evan Mobley is here and mm-hmm. you, you want to start Evan Mobley and Jared Allen. Even if it is Kuminga who you want to start at the four, do you think Kevin Love would respond, you know, actually kindly to that? I want to tell you back what I said. If we are having winning basketball, then yeah, I, I could see Kevin Love responding well to that. But if it's, you know, if it's like a situation where, okay, the season is to a point where the playoffs aren't really in reach, which would definitely be a disappointment. And they want to look towards player development over keeping Kevin Love happy. I obviously think, you know, in that situation, Kevin Love wouldn't like that. Dan, what are your thoughts here? Yeah, I, I'm going to kind of touch on that or, or hit on it there. Um, if there is some success there, um, I, I think just objectively at some point, Kevin, uh, maybe maybe that the conversation has happened, I'm not sure, but um, just has to realize when he's out there for 29, 30 minutes, it's, there's going to be those situations where he's – going to get uh, – not going to call underneath um, when there's like a small switch out on him and bigs on smalls are not going to get calls a lot of the time. Um, and then he's like annoyed with a ref, is is going to trot back on defense after that. You give up like a kind of a secondary break going the other way because the trailer gets there before he does. He gives up a three. Um, or like a, a like a cut down the lane. Um, we saw that a couple times tonight, and he just at times like you just think like if there's like a younger body in there, like a Mobley, um, or yeah, like a Kaminga, um, whoever yeah, it may be, whoever that is, um, you just think like a younger body would would probably help in that way. And if he could buy into being like a super sub potentially is kind of like a guy that hunts shots for you, um, gets shoots like six threes a game in say like or five six threes a game like twenty three minutes. Okay, you could be maybe if he's if he's hot, you you keep him in there for crunch time as a veteran presence, but just a next to nothing offensive rebounder at this point, which was a, a key positive from him earlier on. Hey, two offensive yeah, rebounds tonight, Dan. Yeah. Okay, well, you, <laughs> one of them kind of fell well, as, last, as you but. as you hit on. He was again. We're not going to make big deal out of plus minuses in individual games. Minus forty five isn't great, and that's just kind of that sort of thing. Kind of shows that he's he's getting up there in age, as we know. And it would be better for to preserve him. Actually, like I would rather Kevin Love play twenty two, twenty three minutes a game and play. 18 of 20 games in a 20-game stretch as opposed to starting minutes where he plays maybe 33 and he plays a third of the season. So 
I think that would just be real with him in that way. Amadou, would you start? And, and, you know, obviously, we can talk about different prospects. I think the, I, whoever the Cavaliers may draft would get priority over Kevin Love, at least I'd hope, uh, with a top pick. Did, would you start Larry Nance over Kevin Love at the beginning of next season? Um, Man, that's hmm, probably not. Just because I feel like Kevin Love kind of fits with that. Saxton, Garland, Okoro, if, I mean, Allen, if that's your other four to start the season, then Nance says just because, like I said earlier in the podcast, loves added shooting, the spacing. Obviously, we know his playmaking abilities. That's why I just wouldn't really start um, Larry Nance as of right now. If Larry Nance had a more consistent jump shot, like I know obviously the numbers say, you know, he's like a 38, 37% type of guy, but his three-point shooting is not something that's, you know, consistent as Kevin Love's is, so... That's the only reason why I'd, I'd still start Love over, over Nance. To be fair, I probably would too. And I think, Dan, you made a good point to where you, know, you, you probably don't play him starters minutes, you know, in the kind of high 20s, low 30s. Uh, maybe you kind of give those minutes to Nance uh, to where he's, you know, consistently a high 20s type of guy. But I, I still believe in, in keeping, if it's down to those two, I believe in keeping Kevin Love in the starting unit. I just think. You know, he does kind of fit well with the other guys on the floor. Yeah, I think the other thing that, for some reason, it seems like a lot of people gloss over with, with Nance, I mean, when he's on, is he's been injured a lot in his career, too. And he really has never been a starter, like, where it's actually been semi-regularly. So, I mean, other than this season when, when Love was out. But that that is always, like, an under, like, kind of an under-the-radar thing with him too that always concerns me a little bit yeah like you said this is no season this season has been no different whether it was you know the broken hand or the I'm I'm reading now the finger like with a big grain of salt injuries of this year though specifically just because of the condensed schedule like if guys like get like an ankle or like a, a shoulder sprain or something like you could be out for you could be out for like 13 days and miss like seven games. So, I mean, yeah. Yeah. Anything else from either of you before we kind of wrap things up here? Nope. It's all for me. Any other questions from you, Dan? Any, any other thoughts? The Jack. The soft is going to be interesting. Jack Jumper's jersey is coming. <laughs> you gonna get wait. yourself a, a Delhi Jack Jumpers jersey? Yep. Would you? Would if if the opportunity was presented to you, how much would you pay for a Matthew Delvadova uh, Tasmania Jack Jumpers jersey? I'd say like a cool like forty five dollars maybe. I was gonna say thirty five. I, I think I think I would. I think I'd go with that. Out of uh, out of respect for Delhi. I would never buy a Delhi Delhi Cavs jersey. Like that's just not. I, I'm not really a jersey guy anyway. I know you're not a jersey guy, but, but like, okay, would you not buy a Delhi T-shirt? Like to me, like I, I gotta have if I'm getting a T-shirt. Like there was a Colin Sexton like one from the Cavs shop I recently got. Um, like it's it's got to be like a. This is gonna sound weird. It's got to be like a like graphic T-shirt. Like it's got to have like some like pizzazz or like something different. 
like I don't know, like the gar like the the Saxland hoodie was like a it was like is like something that was I, cool. I'm into. I, like it it can't just be like hoodie? a yeah, I did. I it can't just be like a I thought about like it, a generic like calves like with like a Del Vadova eighteen yeah, on fair. the back. Like that's just not me. Um What if it's like Del Vadova diving for oh, that would be all graphic? Oh yeah. For sure. <laughs> okay, okay. I'm I'm all for that. Or like Delhi, like no, that's there, a good t-shirt. There should be idea. like a, a t-shirt of like Delhi, like spitting his mouth guard out or at like Steph or something. I don't, I don't know if that ever happened, but that would be pretty sweet. What about a picture on the front, like a side view of Delhi shooting a three this year, like mid form, like you know, bringing it up from his oh, hip. Oh god, uh, yeah, like there could be like a Delhi shot, like. And it like it the ball's like hitting the 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 rim or like of the backboard and it says like clank off it. That that <laughs> I would be I would definitely get to. Like that would be sweet. Oh, That'd be like a go to. That would be great. That, that would be great. I, I'd be all for that. <laughs> oh man. We're just giving away free ideas here. Like we really are. Somebody needs to take Daniel advantage of this. Is that what's that's his name, right? The the cabs like sure graphic designer about. guy or whatever, um, is it, they're like Ash. Um, I, I I don't know, but somebody please direct this podcast to him and share these ideas. Yeah, for for business inquiries, email email <laughs> <Central>. <laughs> whatever <laughs> whatever my email is. I don't even know at this point, but um, anyway, you can probably find it. Uh, I think we'll wrap it up there then. Uh, thank you, Dan. Thank you, Amadou, as always, for coming on. Thank you out there for listening. Uh, if you enjoyed listening, please subscribe. Uh, if you're listening on Apple, leave a rating, leave a review. Uh, helps us out a lot. And uh, we will talk to you again soon. Hey, everyone. The NBA season is underway, and there is no better way to celebrate than with Thrive Fantasy, the daily fantasy sports app for player props. They have eliminated the need to do countless hours of research because they only ask you about the top-tier athletes in each sport. All you have to do is pick five out of the ten player prop options to build your lineup. Each prop has a fantasy point of total associated with the over or under based on its likelihood to occur. The more points a selection is worth, the riskier it is. Rack up the most points to win a portion of the prize pool. Thrive has awarded over $2 million in prizes since launching in 2018 and will be awarding thousands more this NBA season. So download the Thrive Fantasy app today or visit thrivefantasy.com to get started. Use the promo code KLOVE, that's K-L-O-V-E, like Kevin Love, when you sign up and you will receive an instant deposit match up to $50 on your first deposit of $20 or more. Sign up and prop up today. Thank you for listening to Cavalier Central. Be on the lookout for another episode coming soon.